this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Today, covering off on Chelsea uh, six, Manchester United one. A great away win for the Chelsea women. Uh, I am your fourth fourth choice host with the most can't even say it anymore joined by my partners in crime abdullah and jesse to yet again break down another incredible win for chelsea against the red devils uh look guys this was a lot of fun we're going to cover off on all of the details of the uh rampant is a great word uh choice here win against manchester united uh the front three really looking good and gelling uh, we're going to talk about the the midfield pivot and the Ingle Loipel's uh, double pivot and see if that was a little bit more solid. And then we'll talk about the the back three as well. We got to get everybody involved for such a comprehensive team performance. So uh, that's what's to come. What's uh, happening right now is the three word match review, the patented, the only. Uh, often imitated, never duplicated three word match review. And we have a couple really good ones straight. Uh, out of the gate. We'll touch on on the first one in a little bit more detail uh, once we go through Emma's quotes after the game. But from Ghana Zinagina, 30, Emma, colon, need better. Better than a 6-1. Okay, sure. Uh, Mike from Rhode, Rhode Island, statement of intent. It's a great one. And then Techie Tiger, front three, dangerous. Absolutely. Uh, Schlaube Fox, Chelsea support, brilliant. You could definitely hear him on the TV this morning. So well done to those who traveled all the way up to the Lee Sports Complex. And then CFC Central uh, with probably my favorite one, Red Devils Exercise. So uh, we're, we're bringing in all sorts of just tremendous magic into this one. Uh, Abdullah, I'm going straight to you uh, for our three-word match reviews. What do you got? For me, it's harder rises again. It's the second, second week in a row. I'm rather even third week. She's just getting better and better every game. Uh, she finally looks like she's settling into that side in, in this in this system. So for me, it's 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 Penilla harder once again. Jesse, what do you got? I'm going with Skinner's ship sunk, which I had to say quite carefully, actually. That was harder to say <laughs> than I thought it was going to be when I wrote it down. But yeah, you know, Mark Skinner, he's, he's back in the WSL. I feel like he's had a bit of confidence, you know, and it was just kind of nice to see that deflate out of him. <laughs> Deflate it did, and that is because uh, of of my three word match review straight out of the gate. Fran's nifty fifty. Uh, we're, Love we're that getting, rhyme. We're getting right into it. Uh, Fran Kirby hits fifty WSL goals. Look, I mean, she is the reigning player of the year. She's been Chelsea's best player for almost as many years as she's been at the club. Uh, Tom Gary reporting that Emma Hayes. Uh, kind of said after the match where she reached her 50th WSL goal, which was a very easy one, by the way, uh, that I've run out of words to say about this special player. Taking the easy way out, Jesse. She's just like, look, I, you saw her <laughs> do something. Yeah, with I mean, at this point, you can just like point at her. Although I did think it was, you know, ironic of all the amazing goals Fran has scored over the years for this to be her 50th, uh, the e you know, the easiest one possibly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what a legend. And, you know, I feel like Emma Hayes is, you know, by running out of words, almost doing herself down as well, because I think she's played such an amazing part in in Fran's journey to, to the very top of the club. And it's just great to see her on fire. 
Oh, Dylan, and she is she's in a pretty exclusive club here, right? Um, you know, meet a ma in that club, but like th- there are not a ton of players with this type of of pedigree. Oh, definitely. I mean, considering the number of games that are played in a single season, which you know, considering there is only a finite number of teams, and you know they play across the season, to be in a category of fifty goals plus is is exclusive, and you've got to be at a Miedema, at a Fran Kirby level to be able to replicate this sort of thing. And and not to mention that the amount of you know the turnover that we have in women's football with the players leaving after probably one to two seasons, it kind of shows the longevity and the you know, and, and kind of the, the class of both, you know, of Fran Kirby especially, but then also players like Miedema who were able to stick around for such a long time and be able to showcase their skills in, in England. Uh, and considering that Fran has not played as a sole striker uh, very much in her, or in her career, I should say, uh, tells you that, you know, she's been deployed out wide. She's been a part of a front two. She's been a part of a front three. She has just absolutely raised her game to an excellent level. So we do want to say a hearty congratulations uh, to Frank Kirby on reaching a tremendous milestone in the WSL. Now, look, uh, we have to go into the match uh, and get our breakdown. So I'm going to pass it over to Jesse for the lineup here in a second. But we are talking about the Manchester United away match. That was on uh, Saturday, Sunday, September 26th. See, script bomb right there, Abdullah. Dang it. Uh, Sunday, September 26th. Uh, It wasn't WSL. It was at least Sports Village. Uh, Manchester United won. Chelsea, uh, six. A casual six on the road. Two goals from Kerr. Kirby, Harder, Spence, and Fleming, which we'll talk about in a little bit (laughs) as well. So, Jesse, break down the lineup and uh, and let the people know what we went out with. Yeah, so a a bit of a familiar one at the the back uh, for us again. So, we had AKB in goal, standard. uh, And then the back three of Ericsson, Jess Carter and Millie Bright. Uh, Guru Wrightson kept hold of her left wing back position, but we we brought Neve Charles in to, to play on the right. Um, Aaron Cuthbert picked up a bit of a knock uh, to the head <laughs> and in the Scotland game. Don't really know what the situation is is there. She was kind of stretched off, so Neve came back in to play right wing back. And then we had um, the double pivot of Leupoltz and Ingle. Uh, Jiso Young was um, had a later international game, so be interesting to see whether. That choice was, you know, tactical or, or motivated by by her absence. And then that tasty, tasty front three of uh, Penila Harder, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby. Uh, appearances later on in the game from uh, John Anderson came on at right wing back. And then we also saw Beth England, Jesse Fleming, Drew Spence and Georgia Fox all picking up. 10 or so minutes at the end of the game. The five sub rule coming into a, uh, effect again for Chelsea. Uh, look, Abdullah, we, we got to get over to the stats here. I mean, this this might not have played out uh, in, in what you would have thought from a possession standpoint, but Chelsea just did the most they could with as as uh, best possession as they could. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I was, I was kind of shocked to see myself when, you know, you see Manchester United had 51.1% of possession and Chelsea only 48.9, which you don't associate Chelsea with having less possession than the other team. But I think it, it, in some sense, it maybe represents a, a little bit of an evolution in terms of the way they're playing, in terms of their adaptability against teams that are probably going to be a little bit more uh, possession oriented. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously United didn't seem like the biggest test in hindsight, but um, it's still good to see that, you know, they, they were able to score this many goals on the counterattack without actually having the majority of possession. 
Um, but, you know, 16 shots compared to United's 13. Uh, and we'll get onto the defensive part later and, and the frequency there. But, you know, nine on target, so the accuracy was good compared to United's two. Um, six off target compared to seven. They had one block compared to four. Uh, you know, slightly lower passing accuracy of 75.8 uh, compared to 77.5, which I think comes down to the fact of um, when, when they had less possession, more counterattacking, so a little bit more quicker passing exchanges. So you, you might expect a little bit of um, uh, a misplaced pass here and there, considering they don't really play the style. Four clear-cut chances, which I guess is really good, considering they scored six goals. So um, that's their four corners apiece, one offside compared to three. 66.7% on the tackle ratio, which again, slightly lower than United's, um, which I think we can get, we'll can we get into later when we talk about midfield. A uh, higher percentage in aerial duels at 56, obviously because United had more possession. Um, one save, surprisingly, you know, for uh, Anne Katrenberger, considering um, there were two shots on target for United, one hit the ball and one was a save. So, you know, that's, that's not too bad. Uh, four fouls committed, four six fouls won for Chelsea, and then there were surprisingly no cards in this game for either side. So uh, you know, here we are. Yeah, Chelsea kind of broke their spirit early on. It wasn't as spiky as, as we might have thought of. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, get it out of the way, so we can get into the uh, match analysis here. Uh, but uh, just a quick reminder, right? We're covering the team every week. It'll be out on the Monday or the Tuesday. Come join us. Leave a five-star review. Uh, it helps kind of get these episodes out into the world a little bit more. We've had a really strong start to the season, so thank you for tuning in at the at the beginning here. And then, obviously, if you are so inclined and want to join us on Patreon at either the 3 or $5 level, uh, there's a wonderful, wonderful Chelsea women's community on on our Discord, so please do that. All right, we will, uh, we'll be right back after a quick break from these sponsors. All right, guys, we're back, and we're going to be talking about just a dominant Chelsea attack, um, aided by some just absurd passing from Manchester United, obviously, but uh, this was easily our best performance of the season, which is... You know, I think going back to our preview, we noted after an international break and going to United, this should have been one of Chelsea's uh, tougher games of the season, kind of all factors included. It ended up being just a stroll in the park, uh, right, Jesse? So I guess let's talk about maybe the overall front three performance, and then I'll pass it to Abdullah to talk about Pernilla Harder in, in a little bit more detail. Yeah, I mean... It- it's a funny one because on the one hand, it does feel very reminiscent of that Everton game from before the international break, you know, us being really able to capitalize on another team's errors. But at the same time, like the clinical nature of how we did that is just so impressive. And it, it's something that we've kind of come to expect from Kerr, Kirby and Harder and, and what that front three represents. But it's, you know, it, we shouldn't ignore how impressive it is that they do that. You know, other teams can get those opportunities. You even saw Man United pick up a couple of opportunities in similar situations and they can't put them away. And you put yourself in a in a fantastic position where, you know, if you're free no up at half time, like you are going into the second half feeling like more relaxed or whatever. When those spaces do open up, you're not as worried. Um, and, you know, we'll come on to Emma Hayes' comments a bit later, I think, but I'd, I can see where she's coming from. I did think there were elements of the performance that were sloppy, but what was great was the fact that because we were so clinical going forward, that when those errors happened, we were immediately able to capitalise on them. You know, Sam Kirk should really have potentially scored within 30 seconds, mm-hmm. and it took us 90 seconds to actually score. You know, and that's what makes this team so 
dominant, I think, in the WSL especially, because when they come up against teams, those teams start to panic because they know what that high press looks like. And ultimately, that makes them more susceptible to the high press. Yeah, and I think for me, it was... It was just so strange that United decided that they were going to uh, play Tiki Taka out of the back against this high press. I mean, it was a recipe for absolute disaster highlighted by, I think, Pranilla Harder, Abdullah, who absolutely pressed with efficiency, uh, took her extraordinary, you know, 50 yard run. Uh, and and shot very well, but was just an absolute monster all over the place today. Absolutely insane. I mean, I, I, I legitimately had to stop working at work and kind of tell people to go away so I could just watch that period of 10 minutes of harder was just on fire. I don't think, I mean, I've seen her press and obviously she's been, weirdly enough, the player that has pressed the most last season. You know, we've seen it in the stats compared to the season before. Um, but it just seems like this season Emma Hayes has kind of come in and uh, rather, I don't even think it's Emma Hayes. I think Harder got as a full season under her belt on, with this new role. And I think now that she's gotten to grips with it and she's had that first one or two games to kind of settle into the new season, I think now we're just trying to see Penelope Harder just get better and better in each game. And I think finally it's a mixture of Harder understanding and really playing the role as this Trek Ortista, you know, number 10, nine and a half, you know, as I like <laughs> to call it, um, you know, in there between, you know, between Kirby and Kerr. But it's like, but last season she was doing it to facilitate the front two, but it seems like this time she's able to both facilitate, but then also do score the goals herself. She's already scored in, uh, you know, and against Arsenal, she scored this week again, um, and then just the work, she was tracking back to the halfway line, to the defensive third to kind of pick up the ball and come run all the way back. And, you know, to, to get Penny Lajada, who back, you know, in her Wolfsburg days was pretty much, I this is, I am the, you know, I'm up front, you bring the ball to me, I will do the rest. It's it's night and day, and it's a testament to the man management of, of Emma Hayes. But today, I think it's just uh, probably one of her best performances, I think, in her Chelsea career and arguably as a front three I don't think I've ever seen them play off the ball as well as they had uh, against United I mean poor passing from 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 the United team at the back trying to play out from the back but I don't understand when it doesn't work when you conceded one or one probably two goals you probably should stop after that and not continue but maybe it was a Skinner's Guardiola telling him keep doing it you it's fine you can make a mistake and you can keep going so it is what it is. Well, yeah, let, let's talk about the selflessness, uh, I think, of the front three, Jesse, because, you know, of course, uh, Kerr lays off to Kirby for an easy one, right? The the favorites returned, as it often was last season, uh, later in the match, uh, where Kerr could have easily, or Kirby could have easily shot, but just laid it off for an easy um, Kerr goal. I mean, like, th- they are, they're all three excellent players in their own right. But they have developed such a rapport and such a selfless work ethic that it, to me, it makes them even more dangerous. Do you, do you feel that way? Yeah, and I think it makes them more dangerous because they choose to create better opportunities. You know, in both those situations that we're talking about, both players create tap-ins for each other from situations where, yeah, they, they could have shot, they might have scored. They're both, you know, <laughs> great at taking shots. But you turn those kind of opportunities which you know in xg terms might be looking at a point two, point three into opportunities which are 0.7 0.8 or whatever and you know that's mm-hmm. kind of in some ways the logic of expected goals you know to be able to understand where those better opportunities are but i think also what 
I really felt like stood out today was, you know, with Harder now on this kind of inside left forward role, how much more flexible the rotation between all three of them was across the front line. You know, I think we did see it last season, but it felt like mainly it would be Kerr or Kirby would like come across into different sides or maybe Kirby and Harder would switch. But I don't think we really saw them move so fluidly as a trio. It always felt there was two and one, one would still hold their position. And that was what really stood out to me today. And I think also that speaks to that same selflessness you're picking up on, Nick, because that's also about, like, it doesn't matter who's technically leading the line, who's in that number nine role. It doesn't matter who's pulling out wide to pick up the ball because for them it is about the team and it's just about creating those best opportunities. And that's incredibly rare to see in in football in, in general, you know? Of course, yeah. I mean, I think in, in a lot of sports that we that we all watch, there's usually kind of an alpha personality uh, that that would take over right and they're all three sharks all of them uh and the fact that they're uh playing first of all the fact they all press is impressive to me Uh, you know i think all three of them could be easily deployed in a different system where they didn't have to do as much work and be just as effective as they are now but the fact they all three press harder going above and beyond today i think uh in, in that regard and then you have just this clinicality of finishing. And that's where I think, Abdul, I'll, I'll pass the ball back to you for a little chat on, on Sam Kerr, who, you know, might not have had the quickest starts her Chelsea career, but is definitely looking like she's in, in good form now. Only only the one miss today that I can remember, but ended up with two goals anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's that's I think that's Sam Kerr in, in a nutshell. I mean, she just, she gets so, she... She's so good with her movement and her positioning that she gets into so many good positions that she's able to almost fashion chances just by being in in good positions and being able to anticipate. And like you said, she probably missed about one chance that we can think of notably, but still scoring two goals and and just having an all-round performance, the pressing, the the, the interchanges. I mean, what else can you ask for from your number nine? And, you know, I I guess the... uh, the cobwebs on the summer holiday have worn off. And if this is Sam Kerr just coming off her summer holiday, I dread to think what she's going to be like when she's really in the flow four, five, six games into it when we get into the Champions League group stages and, and whatnot. But now I think Kerr is continuously proving that she is up there as, you know, top two uh, best center forwards in, in, in world football. And, you know, uh, Miedema is probably there right now with her in terms of the, the competition and with Ada Hegerberg still out injured and just coming back, you know, there's there's a real claim to stake that, you know what, the, these two can be running away with it, um, you know, for, for the season. Uh, we've already touched on Kirby a little bit, Jesse, but, uh, you know, I think a, a last word on, on Fran today who uh, was probably not as... Um, not as present in, in, in or around the box, but did so much great pressing um, for me that, you know, her goal was was just easily deserved. And then she kind of had an easy day uh, the rest of the time. Yeah. And I think, you know, she's someone again who it just feels like it's easy to forget what she does because she does it so consistently mm-hmm. and so well across across the pitch, whether that is scoring, whether that is the press. You know, I was even impressed with her like dropping back to link up play and and those kind of things you know so yeah just 
what a player. And, you know, as we've touched on, 50 goals for only White and Miedema to have done that. Um, pending, you know, Nikita Paris, I think, is also on 49. So maybe by the time this has come out, Nikita Paris might have also joined them. But yeah, what, what a player. And, you know, it's great to see her playing with Sam Kerr and Nina Harder, who have maybe been more traditionally globally recognized and you see the way that they speak about her and that speaks volumes you know Sam Kerr will do interviews where she's like Frank Kirby's the best player in the world like I just think it's great to see her colleagues do you say colleagues about footballers I guess um give her that kind <laughs> of uh, kind of recognition which I think she really deserves and and maybe because she's it's never gone so well at England for her she doesn't get it in the same way that Harder and Kerr does but she she properly deserves it I, I like using co-workers um, <laughs> uh, when discussing footballers. I think that's good. Um, yeah. Why Why do you think that is, Jesse? I'll pass it back to you. Why do you think that she is not consistently named alongside some of those other players that you just referenced in kind of the all-time pantheon of of, of women's players? Um, I do think the, the England thing has a big factor there. I think we've never seen her really go and have a standout tournament. I know there's been okay. a lot of difficulties in the past between Chelsea and England and what Kirby's load looks like and frustrations around that. Um, you know, I, I think obviously we would love to see her have an amazing tournament at some point And, I'm sure if she can, you know, stay fit and everyone can keep her in good shape, hopefully we'll see that next year in England at the Euros. Um, but I think that that's probably the thing. And, you know, also, I think, again, there are maybe those international moments, Champions League final would have been one of them, where if you have mm. a great performance in one game, that just elevates you to, to a different level because there's so much tension on it. And Chelsea haven't had that moment when you you look at players like harder you know she she did that for Wolfsburg Kerr's obviously done it internationally for Australia and you even look at how those Barcelona players have been elevated from that Champions League final how quickly that like crystallizes in in people's minds so I think Fran will still get her moment because I think she's just getting better and better absolutely well someone who doesn't think that we're getting better and better <laughs> Emma Hayes um Apparently, <laughs> Emma just came out after the match and, you know, the 6-1 was a blip on the radar for her. Uh, the quote is, I don't think we were very good, <laughs> which I think if you were looking at the men's team performance against, against City, you could say that uh, this was interesting, though. Uh, her quote in, in totality, though, was we've got world class attackers, attackers, and that's what they showed today. I don't think we were very good. I thought we were poor. Uh, we were poor in the first half by our standards and we were up 3-0. I think we're miles better than we were last year and our buildup and our possession. I wasn't happy with the first half. I changed something within the flow of the game because I felt we were getting overloaded and I felt there were spaces that Harder could exploit. And we gave her the chance to do that. Pernilla, I'm so proud of her for that goal because I know how much she puts into it. She's a top, top player. Um, so that that's a long meandering way of saying we could have scored 10 uh, like I, I don't I don't know uh, kind of what's going on there uh, Abdul what are your thoughts on on the quote we're miles better than we were last year you know um, it's if anything that's a you know that's that's a that's a good sign if she's saying that you know uh, 
you know, we're miles, you know, we're miles better than we were last year. But then, you know, if you're saying now, in, in, for example, we're miles better than we were last year and our build-up and position was good, but I wasn't happy with the first half. I mean, I think there's two parts to this. I think we can break it down here. Last season, they were really, really good. And, you know, we all thought, okay, is there another level that this team can get up to? And I think we all thought that there was maybe a little bit there, but, you know, the way they were being clinical and obviously until the latter stages of the Champions League, when people started saying, okay, maybe there are a few places of improvement. But I think we're already starting to see that they're bridging that gap, at least going forward. They're definitely bridging that gap between um, what they were last year and what they are this year. Um, but the fact that if she's saying, all right, I, I, even we were three nil up and I was seeing holes and I, and, I was tr- and I wanted to fix it, I'm actually really happy about that. Mainly because I think last season there were times when she was a bit late to change things and they were getting a bit predictable. But if she's saying now, I'm not happy with this and I want to change it and you already scored three goals... That's not that. Can, that can't be that. That can anything. We but that's good. I mean, then then you, then you, then, you, then you're thinking. Uh, I just lost my words there. But then you then you're like, all right, you know, I can see that there are issues, and then this is how the team gets better, and this is how the team evolves within the season itself. So by the time you get to the the knockout stages and and in the latter half of the season, you've really developed over the season and gotten better as the players have gotten to the rhythm and flow of the season. So overall. I think I think the coach the coach's good and um, great start from the team. I guess Jesse, n- no one's going to be a harder critic of her team than Emma will be um, throughout the year, and especially if this was supposed to be a top four, you know, kind of clash, it wasn't. It didn't really shape out that way, right? So is she just going a little extra because the level of competition wasn't there today, or is it? something that she really, you know, you're, you're, you took something, you know, similar out of the performance, which is, oh, we got lucky to not get exploited because United didn't have the talent. Yeah, I mean, I think for a start, this is like the most Emma Hayes line in the world because one, <laughs> she loves talking like this. And two, as a manager, like, what are you going to do? Come out and say, oh, they were rubbish. So that's why we won. <laughs> I mean, it'd be refreshing. If someone was going to do it, it probably would be Emma Hayes. <laughs> Um, But no, I think she picks up on some good points. I think, you know, there were moments in transition where I thought we struggled. I thought there were gaps that opened up between defence and midfield. And I do think it is a bit of a worry how much we are. It's a tricky one because I wouldn't say we were relying on opposition errors. But I do feel like we're not seeing a huge amount in back-to-front successful attacks. We're Mm. pressing well, we're turning over the ball. That is stuff we, you know, those mistakes are put on by us, you know, especially today, the Megan Finnegan one from a couple of weeks ago, that is an example of something where you've just got nothing to do with it, really. But, you know, today, I think it was more that was the way we play. But when we're thinking about those really high-level games, those Champions League games, the Barcelona's, when you press them, they will just play around your press. So at some point, you have to also know what you're doing with the ball and be able to go back to front. And I think that's probably what Hayes is getting at because I think we still haven't really seen that from Chelsea this season. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that point. I think the you know there there are a couple of of instances today where it was just so easy to to get through. Right, even even when. You know, the three or four times that uh, AKB touched the ball in the second half, it seemed like uh, that she like when she rolled it out, there, there really wasn't the consistent 
all right, we'll we'll work it around the back line. We'll get it up through the midfield. We'll have a great diagonal out to Gura Wrighton or to Neve Charles and and play it forward. And then we'll have four or five passes before we get there. A lot of Chelsea's goals come from breaks, right? Where one player has a you know a lot of possession of the ball. They dribble it as far as they can. They make an incredibly, to me, obvious pass to someone who's wide open and will put it in the back of the net. And that works in the WSL. But as we saw last year in the Champions League, there's a level of sophistication that goes higher than that to to be able to win the whole the whole tournament. And so I think that is you're probably going to see this as like, you know, in some of these, you know, mid table clashes. I don't know. It might end up being kind of a training exercise. Right, Jesse, where they're where they try playing a little bit differently once they've maybe got their goal and and just work into a better uh, passing movement uh, for for later in the season. Yeah, well, I think also it's frustrating as a manager because in some ways, because obviously you want to win and win by loads of goals. That's great. But again, if you're, you know, three nil up at half time, yeah, of course you want your team to carry on working on your attacking patterns of play, but it's a totally different thing for them to do. And of course, they're, you know, you're already going to have your mind on, you know, oh, we've got Birmingham midweek, you know, what's happening next week, all of that kind of stuff. So I think that's why I'm excited about the Champions League group stage, because I think they're the games where hopefully we will be forced to learn those things and, and make more of that kind of effort in that sense. Um because at the moment, yeah, given that we've played United and Everton, both of whom are supposed to be these fourth place teams, you know, I, I maybe we'll see more of it from teams who just want to sit in a low block, you know, because then you you can't necessarily press them in the same way. These are both sides who wanted to play out from the back and they just weren't very good at it. But yeah, I, I think it, it's a tough one to figure out as a manager. So I think the... Uh, the, the passing leads us to talk about the midfield, right? I think this is the area that we've probably talked about more often than than any other on the pitch, maybe wingbacks aside, but it all kind of plays together. Specifically, when we look at the double pivot, we, we had another combo today of Ingle and, and Leupold's, uh in, in the midfield. Obviously, the match was out of hand pretty early, so you know I don't know how much you can take away from this from just a pure control perspective, but it, it did seem like they were getting in a better rhythm, um, Abdullah. So for me, I guess, talk a little bit about how you thought it looked and then uh, the different ways that, that it might look in the future. I think kind of from the, from the first minute, I think we knew that United were going to play some sort of football. They, they, you know, they've shown in the last couple of weeks that they're, they're not afraid to play on the ball and actually you know, get, on, get their good players, their attacking players on the ball and kind of play from, from midfield. So it needed um, it needed the current midfielders, whoever the double pivot was going to be, to really be positionally strong. And when they had the ball, to not let it turn over easy and just really get the ball out and pass it well. And kind of from kind of from the, from the, from, the, from the first whistle, Ingle and Leupold seemingly did that. They were able to keep control of the ball. I felt like this was a slightly, I mean, again, like we said, large control portion of the match. They were already one 0 down within ninety seconds, but. I think it was a redemption game for Leupold. She, you know, she was out of form. She was dropped for the last game. But I think she came in and she really felt... It almost felt like she felt more at ease playing next to Engel because she knew she had the defensive security and the you know and the composure of Engel next to her. So she could step up and be a little bit more aggressive. But in, And she knew that if she missed it, she had 
kind of the the positional awareness and the you know the 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 movement of of Ingle behind it to kind of cover up in behind, and especially when when playing against uh, United's false nine and Ella Toon, I think it's a little bit easier for someone like Ingle to probably step in, kind of control that area of where Toon might be and not allow Carter to be pulled out too much. So that, that I think that combination as well, and then kind of just servicing the front three and kind of the whole point of playing this back, you know front uh, three four three is allow the front three to kind of do their thing and I felt like this double pivot was able to make that happen they were able to be defensively solid enough so that the wing backs could push up especially when you're playing Charles and Wrighton um and really I think I think it it felt good however in the second you know and then obviously we saw what happened in the second half when they brought Alessia Russo and and kind of they changed from a more of a false nine to a static uh not even a static but like a, an actual focal point and I think that changed things so there might be I think this duo is got potential. I think it needs to be tested again against probably an opposition where I don't think Chelsea are going to be scoring their first first goal in ninety seconds in every game. So I would I would be interested to see against another maybe a top team maybe a little bit different, but I want to see them against another fourth fifth place team and see how these two do against them because they're going to have teams who want to attack Chelsea and. Whether they can control it then when the game is poised at 30, 35 minutes in, I think that's where it's going to be key. But um, I think I think, I think think this 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 combination has, has potential to, to move forward with. I guess, Jesse, n- no G today, um, you know, coming back from international break. Uh, what are your thoughts on on maybe what we what it lacked? Yeah, I'm like not totally wild about this, to be honest. Um, and I think that's because I can't quite figure out maybe what it's supposed to be doing. I liked it at the start when it felt like Ingle was sitting back more and it was Loipotz going forward. You know, she was a great pressing addition to that front three um, and I think really helped box Man United in. But as the game went on, it was kind of like sometimes Ingle would go forward and Loipotz would say back and, and vice versa. And I felt like that then left these large bits of space kind of on that like left-hand side of the pitch just ahead of of the the defenders which you know it just felt like that's that's where the goal came from that you know I had a couple of opportunities where they were just able to really run into that gap and I felt like that was kind of because England Loipots kept rotating who went forward you don't have one player kind of sitting back and taking in that view of the pitch to see where the space needs to be boxed off so I kind of wonder if that other bit of the double pivot is still kind of G's to have with one of Ingle or Leupoldt to to sit back a, a, a bit more. I mean, obviously, again, it didn't really matter today. So, but I didn't think long term it necessarily felt like exactly the right answer. One of, one of the interesting things that happened in this match, and I, I did want to touch on it because I think you guys have have mentioned Jesse Fleming a lot um, in in previous recordings, but. When she came in, it looked like she was playing more of a number 10 role with with two up top and was kind of the link player between the midfield uh, pivot and and the the top to me. Did you guys get that sense? And is that a a variation on this formation that suits her uh, athletic gifts and uh, allows for a little bit more cover uh, for the pivot? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it is, but... I think also it's so hard when you're just being thrown on at, at the end of the game. It's like, you know, 
the amount of time Drew Spence got in the box, it was like, you know, is Drew Spence going to play number nine? <laughs> Probably not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think it is an option. And that's what I think is why so many people want to see Jessie Fleming, because she has such a large number of skills that allow her to play kind of from that midfield role all the way up into a more attacking one. I think the the reason why I, st- I still think Fleming is the best choice for that more attacking bit of the pivot because ultimately that front three is set. So you're not going to see Fleming nail be able to nail down that starting position. For me, I think it's got to be that she takes G's role if she can kind of prove that she can do the trickery and magic that I think G can do. You know, I think she's got that ability and I think she offers a lot more defensively than G. But I feel like that maybe is still the question mark that's that's there, especially when we've seen what a good start to the season G had and kind of was one of the few players who came out of the Arsenal game, for example, like still looking good. So, um, you know, I think Fleming's got the ability to play as as that 10, but you're not going to ultimately break up the front three to allow her to do it, really, are you? Yeah, it would be like a special circumstances type of scenario or maybe like a, a Conti Cup scenario if we if we look ahead. Um, it, it, it's a possibility. I was I was curious about it because, I mean, she obviously got her, her first Chelsea goal today, Abdullah, and the team rallied around her at the end. I think they all sprinted out to go congratulate her at the final whistle, which was... I mean, this team is just heartwarming as hell. I, I don't, they just give me all the, the warm fuzzies, but um, talk a little bit about her, her performance and, and just maybe touch on what, what Jesse was referencing earlier about the role. Yeah, no, I think for me, every time she comes on, whether it's for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, she just seems to be able to put in, put in a good enough performance where you, you take notice, right? Even if the game is 5-1 up, 4-1 up, and she comes on for five minutes or three minutes, you're like, she has that, you know, she has that touch and she goes, oh, you go, oh, it's a really good touch. Oh, it's a really good pass, you know? And you see these things and, you know, you wonder when she gets to play 19 minutes, you know, a full game, are we going to see that? I agree with Jesse in saying that uh, uh, and that she's going to have to take one of the double pivot positions if she wants to be a full-time starter for this team. I mean, unless there's an injury to the front three or there's a rotation, like you said, Conti Cup, like you said, that's the only position I can see her, a time starter rather, you can, I can see her playing there. I think playing her in the double pivot, and I get, just kind of touching on what, what we said earlier, this is where I think the Champions League games are going to be important. There are extra games now coming into the season where you can rotate a little bit and play your other, especially in Chelsea's in Chelsea's case, where there's so much strength and depth that you can rotate one or two players and still expect the same level of output. So I could see Jesse Fleming coming in against a Juventus, you know, uh, in the Champions League and playing alongside a Leupold or Ingle or someone and really showing her class over there. Um, because I think, I think now... While we still need to see her play consistently, I think she's. We, I think we can all see that she has the potential to play against the Juventus and really show her, show her skill set over there, rather than having to play against an Aston Villa, rather than have to play against these modest teams where, you know, you kind of know that she's going to be able to dominate and and get on the ball and do things. But I want to see her against the Juventus and one of these mid to top teams where you know you you like. If you can do it against this team, then there's, you know, then we've solidified what we really think about you. And it's it's kind of applicate, you know, theory into application uh, sort of thing. OK, let's move on to the back three and kind of round it out um, and, and throw throw the wing backs in there for fun. Um, 
how how are you guys liking Carter in her second consecutive game playing in the middle? I think that she looked pretty assured today from a passing perspective. I think the back three really flowed. It was probably the best that Millie's looked this season for me. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on the back three, Jesse? And and how do you see this uh, you know kind of solidity forming uh, throughout the season? Yeah, the first well, the thing that stood out the most to me is actually I felt like when we were in possession, it was a four. And Magza was playing as left back, basically. Um, that's like really what I felt. I don't know whether it was because, say, having Neve Charles, who's played more at fullback, felt made Emma more comfortable with, you know, that kind of rotation around to, to do that. But I thought that was really interesting, you know, especially when we've been talking about how do we make sure Magda still gets on the ball when she's in this, you know, having her in that left back role in possession to be able to move forward you know there are downsides to that as well we saw her get caught out of possession when you know Kirsty Hansen was able to nip in behind her and you know there, there was a good chance there for United um, but I thought that was interesting to to see you know looking to get her on the ball more um, yeah I thought Millie Bright had a really really good game she just looked so much more confident than she had this season you know at doing what she does best, you know, reading balls that are coming into the box and just hoofing them as far as they will go, which I just think is such an underrated talent to have as a uh, centre-back. But um, Carter, I thought she looked good. I thought she had some nervy moments, but she didn't, like, capitulate under them. Whereas I think in the past, it's felt like she has one nervy moment and then they come more and more and more and they get what happens gets worse. Whereas it felt today, you know, there, there was a point where... Uh, Carter and Charles like were kind of trying to play the ball together and it just got like a bit messy and I think it actually like Carter managed to like draw a foul as a result and I just feel like in the past she like would maybe have allowed someone to go past her or like create a more dangerous situation so I thought that was on the one hand a good thing but on the other hand it still felt like it spoke to me like that this like Carter and Charles at least in combo feels a bit like naive at points in time um maybe okay. you know playing with the ball when you should just do the Millie Bright and like recognize the danger and put it out of play, that kind of thing. But, you know, it it was interesting. And ultimately, United did look good at points going forward and Chelsea didn't really concede many chances. Like for all that United were open at the back, they did have a lot of the ball in midfield. We saw those possession stats and they didn't really create a huge amount. And I think that is, yeah, ultimately testament to the, the defense. Abdullah, do you share those sentiments? 100%. Yeah, I agree. I think the defense looked um, as assured as, they, as they've been, you know, in, in uh, this season. I think, like we like we said after the Arsenal game, it's it was a new system. They needed to get used to it. And Emma made, like, like again, we talked about, she made that tweak. She made that change that she recognized something needs to change. I think moving Carter into the middle and having Magda and Millie as the, as the wider centre-backs, I think that's worked out. And I think it's it's going to grow game on game and, and kind of referencing the whole Millie Bright, that, that no-nonsense type of play, Rudiger <laughs> vibes, you know, Rudiger vibes all day. Um, but I, I think I think you need that. I think that's a dying breed, you know. We, that, that used to be the norm back in the day. But now no-nonsense centre-backs are, are the dying breed. And I think there are times when you just need that. You need to relieve the pressure. Just hoof it into Rosette. You don't need to play it out you know if there's an opportunity sure no problem and Millie can do that she's got a great diagonal on her she can play out from the back but when you need to just get it out um I mean I remember there was one moment in the first half where I think she was one-on-one with Leah Galton uh, if I remember correctly and 
she just stood with her one on one, got her to the byline, and, and and took it out for a throw in, and it was it was an inch perfect tackle, and it just I think her being able to step out and play you know wider and be able to dominate like this, having the the, the defense behind her, the cover. I think I think it works well, and I think Emma's recognized this, and you know this this could be the the back three that we look at going forward. Yeah, I, the, from from the first match I I ever watched Millie Bright, she's the one that stood out to me. I love a hard challenge. I love someone who's willing to to go in full blooded and committed, and she is uh, she's definitely that of all of all things. <laughs> is there anyone else that you guys want to touch on from this performance who you thought uh, stood out? Maybe Guru Wright, uh, Abdullah. You wrote yeah. the script, so uh, of course. Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> I have to give a shout out to to Guru Wright, not not just because I got the jersey coming in this morning. That's irrelevant uh, to the whole conversation. Uh. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, real talk, jokes aside, I think she's been really, really one of the more consistent players, and I think she has grown into this left wing back role ever since she played it at preseason. I think. When we all started the season, I don't think anybody expected her to be the first choice or rather, you know, the first one to be playing this role. I thought she may come in rotation option. Anderson will start, you know, show she's gained the trust. She comes back in after after the, the Olympics. But I think Wrighton's really given Chelsea this different method and different supply that, that she can give to the front three. Because now it's not just about playing through the middle, going to the half spaces, making and relying on the front three to create something for each other. If it doesn't work, you've got the overlapping option of writing on the amount of time she overlaps and provides almost inch-perfect crosses for the front two, three, and then, you know, this allows them to all to get to the box. I think that's been uh, that's been a, a very, very important part of Chelsea being able to break down. And I think in the future, against these low blocks, that is going to be an important way of breaking teams down because if you can't go through a central low block, they're going to leave the wide spaces open. And with this front three, sooner rather than later, one of these opportunities is going to go in. And you're going to need a prolific uh, winger to be able to do that. And in this case, Wrighton is being able to fulfill that. Again, I'm keen to see how she is against... Um, against Wolfsburg if she is going to start that game in, in the Champions League uh, you know next week but if, if but otherwise I'm really really impressed with Guru right in the left wing back alright well that leads us to our, our player of the match poll or star of the match since player of the match is apparently trademarked so eat your heart out with star of the match um, this was close okay we don't typically get out of a sample size of 200 uh, this close of a poll it's usually a little bit more uh, lopsided Um so, look, uh, Pernilla Harder barely edging out Sam Kerr uh, with 34.5% of the vote to 34%. Frank Kirby getting 275 and then uh, Guro, poor Guro, is only getting 4%. we gotta, we got to boost those numbers up in future polls. But, uh, look, I, I think I think we're all okay with that, aren't we, guys? Pernilla Harder, kind of your your key standout player from this match yeah 100 yeah. percent. well let's no just doubt. let's leave it at that we don't have to beat the dead horse um i i think look we're gonna look at the table the the big one is still yet to play we're about you know 15 minutes away from from arsenal and city uh playing which could be a really important match in the in the you know kind of future standings uh future look at the table um, but right now, uh, as of this very moment, uh, Arsenal and City yet to play, so we're hoping for a draw out of that. Um, that would be really nice. Yeah. Um, we have Tottenham, just as everyone predicted, uh, at the top of the table with nine points. Um, okay. Uh, only a, only 
four goals scored though. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how they're doing this. Uh, Villa, obviously in second, just, just as we all um, thought of at the beginning of the season on seven points, Chelsea on six points uh, with Brighton right now, both, both three matches played uh, tied at six Arsenal uh, on six, obviously yet to play United on six, uh, having uh, been soundly beaten by us. And then uh, West Ham on four points and City kind of bringing up the, the rear with only three points. It's a big match for them. You know, to drop too early in the season would be weird. Uh, Jesse, you're looking at me like, well, I, is that, I mean, if they don't, if they don't at least get a point today, is that, is that going to be a real issue for them? Yeah, I think if they don't win today, they're done, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, I okay. Wow. So I will say is I looked into this for a piece I did um, when they lost to Spurs, um, and I looked at you know losing to teams outside of the top three, depending on who you are, and like going on to to win the league. And the only team who had done it was Chelsea because obviously we lost to Brighton last year. But the point was was we lost to Brighton and then did not lose to Arsenal or Manchester City. So I just think that kind of speaks to. If you once you've dropped those points to Tottenham, that has to kind of be it, because those three points are what Arsenal and Chelsea will just like Hoover up for the rest of the season. So that's kind of why I think if they lose today, it's it's done. We okay. predicted City to win the league. <laughs> <laughs> this is, three this matches is not good in. For our predictions. <laughs> yeah, great. All right. Well, hey, yeah. Let's let's hope that the door remains open for Chelsea. But uh, Everton, Leicester, Reading, and Birmingham City bringing up the rear here. Um, Everton did get their first win of the season over Birmingham City. Uh, it should be noted that they they uh, are not going to remain winless. But uh, look, Chelsea um, coming up from a scheduling perspective. Birmingham City in the FA Cup quarterfinal. This is last year's tournament being resumed. Uh, so we have the the quarterfinal there on Wednesday, September 29th. Then we go uh, and play Brighton at home next weekend, which is, you know, look at the table is a pretty big match, uh, all being said, and especially because uh, we we lost to them last year. So hopefully a little bit of payback. And then uh, the first group stage match of the uh, Women's Champions League is on Wednesday, October 6th. Uh, and so this is against Wolfsburg. It's at home. So Chelsea have a couple of matches at home in a row uh, between Brighton and Hove Albion, Wolfsburg and Leicester City. Uh, so we're, we're going to be home for a minute. So get down to Kings Meadow if you're able to and go watch this excellent, excellent team. They erased the sadness uh, from from the weekend performance on the other side. So um, really excited about that. Any uh, thoughts, Abdullah, as, as you're looking at the schedule um, and things that you want to look out for? Yeah, like I think like we said, the, the two two Champions League games, we've got Wolfsburg on the 6th of October. And then I think Juventus away on the 13th is going to be a fascinating game. Again, one that we'll, I, I think will be good. And then we've got obviously the doubleheader uh, against Servette, the Swiss team, in match day three and match day four of the Champions League. And just kind of casually in between there is Man City on the 14th of November, away, you know, away from home. So just just the casual case of Man City in there. Now imagine they lose today and then they lose against Ch Chelsea on the 14th. And it's really curtains for this Man City team. And potentially top four is in doubt. Potentially. I feel like... 
I, I've been burned by the get too cocky against Man City uh, prediction. So I'm going to say that they're probably going to win today and hope that the uh, reverse hijinks that I'm putting on them actually uh, come into effect. So well, we'll find out in 10 minutes. We'll find out in 10 minutes. That's right. So we are actually going to get out of here so we can all go watch that match. Uh, but thank you for listening. Please go rate and review on Apple Podcasts if, if you can. Uh, we are going to be back every week. This team is too good not to talk about. Um, so thank you very much for listening. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. 